0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. John 17. I want to overview, in fact, you could probably spend several months inside of John chapter number 17. Does anyone know on the surface what this this is typically called? This chapter, this prayer of Christ. Some people would call it the high priestly prayer of, of Jesus, where he is interceding on our behalf. Have you ever um, <clears throat> watched somebody as they communicate, maybe a husband and wife communicate with each other? Um, have you ever watched that and, and noticed the communication between someone who's very close to the other person? Maybe it's a friend, but the way that they talk to, um, talk to them, it says a lot about their relationship, even the tone of voice. Um, what they talk about, it says a lot about that relationship, the closeness of it. I can't imagine being a disciple in the corner or a mouse in the corner, or whatever, um, and hearing Jesus talk to the Heavenly Father. Can you imagine that? What it must have sounded like, what his voice must have sounded like, how close that relationship was, because the Bible says they're one. They, they're fully on the same page. And so it would have been pretty amazing to, to, to watch that. Prayer was a notable part of Jesus' life. I've given you um, a list at the front end of your, your guide tonight. You can go back and read those on your own of the different times that Jesus prayed and then the different times that it was referred to that he prayed or prayer was, was had. And, and we can see that Jesus, uh, Jesus made prayer a great part of his life before he chose the disciples. He prayed. He spent all night in prayer sometimes. It was it was quite a thing, uh, and he was pr- um, praying so so very much, and it moved his disciples to watch and pray. Do you remember what they asked him? Teach us to pray. Now you don't go to somebody and ask them to teach you something unless you're sure that they really have it, because you can end up learning wrong. You ever learn from the wrong person? <laughs> kind of learned a bad habit. I, um, I used to play and still do. I, I can. It's pretty rusty. I, I play trumpet. I have a trumpet in my office. And um, I, I learned something very wrong when I was learning trumpet. I would press that mouthpiece against my lip. And within a song or two, I would destroy my lip. I would it, My lip I, I didn't learn to hold it right and to, you know, to interact right with the mouthpiece. And so I just pressed really hard and I'd come away with this big ring on my, and I, I wouldn't have any endurance as a trumpet, a trumpet player. But part of that was because I, as I was learning, I, I, I learned from someone that wasn't a teacher. They kind of passed on maybe some bad habits to me and didn't help me, help me through that. And um, learning from the right person makes a, di- a big difference. Learning from a, a good teacher makes a big difference. Jesus is the ultimate teacher, is he not? And he was one who so, um, prayed so well, and we would expect that he prayed perfectly, put it that way, he prayed perfectly, that when the disciples watched him pray, they said, we want you to teach us to pray. And he did. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he gives us that model, model prayer. John 17 is not the model prayer other than we can observe, uh, it's not, it, it wasn't given as a teaching, it was, it was really given as Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's praying about certain things to the Father, and we can learn a whole lot from how Jesus prayed. And so we want to consider how Jesus prayed, even in this prayer, and we'll take a, a, several simple points here tonight. You can look at those different passages of scripture as you please, and see how that Jesus prayed um, throughout his life. But I want us to realize in in the first part of John chapter number 17 that Jesus prayed beginning for himself. He prayed for himself. Now notice in verse number 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished, notice that, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Notice there, even the eternality of Jesus, that he did not become God, he always was God, even before the world began. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for this prayer. Thank you that you don't just tell us what to do, you actually show us. And I pray that we would grow in our own prayer, our understanding of prayer, and most of all, Lord, that we'd practice it. Sometimes, Father, it seems that we get so preoccupied with the, with the how-to that we, we, we don't do it. So I pray that we would pray without ceasing, that we'd pray like you, personal relationship with you, that you'd help us with these, uh, these things. Uh, would you grow us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Notice here that Jesus starts out with a, a personal request. What was his personal request? Glorify me. Glorify me. Look back here. For the hour of son, uh, verse number uh, one, glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee. Now notice that, that Jesus teaches us here in requesting glorify me so that I can glorify you. It wasn't, it wasn't make it all about me, though Jesus is to have preeminence but he models something for us here that, Lord, would you work in me so I can give you the glory that you need? I can lift you up as you need. Get glory through my life, you might say. And that's something that you and I can practice in our prayers. Lord, would you get glory through my life? Would you get glory through my body? Would you get glory through my, through my words? Philippians 1 and 20 says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also may Christ be magnified, magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Lord, help me to get glory, help yourself to get glory through my life. Paul was saying that to the Philippian believers. I don't want, I don't want to be the center of attention. I want you to get glory through my life. What a great prayer. What a great model that Jesus has given us. But he also, in this prayer, gives a personal account. Gives in a personal account. He says, Lord, this is what I've done. Father, this is what I've done. You and I ought to be able to interact with our Heavenly Father. Here's what I've done. This is what you've told me to do. And did you notice how he said, I've glorified thee. I have finished the work that thou gavest to me to do. I ought to be able to say that. Shouldn't you be able to say that? I've glorified you today. I glorified you in my home. I glorified you in that relationship. I glorified you at work. I glorified you in the the assembly of the saints. I glorified you. I lifted you up. I magnified your name. Well, we ought to be able to say that. We ought to be able to respond back to our Heavenly Father in prayer and communicate with Him what we have done. That personally convicts me. Because sometimes we wonder, what is the will of God for my life? You know, what am I to do? Jesus here at the tail end of his ministry, heading towards the cross, was able to pray to the Father, I've glorified you. Not I'm going to or I hope to, but I have. Not I, I hope to finish the work, maybe so, but I have finished the work. You say, is that possible for a human to do? Well, Paul illustrates that to us in 1 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have finished my course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And I think we can learn a whole lot from what Jesus just prayed to the Father right here and communicated to the Father. Your goal and my goal ought to be for 2024, not I not hope to accomplish his will, but I have accomplished his will. I think before we lay our head on the pillow at night, we ought to be able to pray to the Heavenly Father and say, I've glorified you today and I've finished your work. I've finished what you gave me to do. Now, that means that you and I need to have such a relationship with his word that we know we and we know by the holy spirit what is his will for today now he tells us that he wants us to be sanctified uh, this is the will of god he tells us in in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you so we ought to be able to lay our head on the pillow tonight saying lord i've given you thanks in all things not for all things but in all things i've given you thanks we ought to be able to look back and say, well, I didn't give thanks there, but Lord, right now I'm going to correct that. I'm giving you thanks. So I believe if we have a relationship with the word of God, we'll be able to say, Lord, I've accomplished your will today. If, if we, uh, We've accomplished all that we know. And so I have another question for myself and for you tonight. I wrote down this. Does your to-do list match the to-do list that God has given to you? The to-do list that's on your refrigerator right now or inside of your device, does it match the to-do list that God has given to you? And Unfortunately, I think sometimes our to-do lists don't match. And so we come to the end of the day and we communicate to the Heavenly Father and we can't be really assured that we've done what he's told us to do. So tomorrow morning as we wake up, shouldn't we try our very best? Lord, here's my to-do list. Now, would you help me to scratch off or to add on what is your will for today. And some of that is going to be, uh, happen as we go through the day by his Holy Spirit, by his word. He's going to guide us into all truth. Well, guiding us into all truth is certainly his will. Um, and he can guide us into the knowledge of his will. So we should be able to pray like Jesus, I have glorified you and I've finished your work. I want that. And I want that for you. And I, I hope that's your heart tonight as well. And uh, we're human. We're, we're finite. We struggle. We miss things. But oh, that the Lord would help us to be able to, to pray that with our Savior. I have glorified you. I've magnified you. That much we can do. Everywhere we are, we can magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I was reading my uh, devotions. Um, I... I I was on my way and I said, I'm going to stop and have a cup of coffee. I'm going to read through. By the way, uh, it's been fun to get into the book of Genesis again. And, and it's been fun to read through with the, uh, if you're reading on the, uh, the Fresh Look Bible, um, if you're using that, it's been really fun to see the layout. And I've noticed some things I've just not noticed before in the book of Genesis. And I noticed some things about Abraham this morning that really challenged my heart. But I overheard someone else talking um, and they were talking from John 17. I'd already prepared my message. They were talking from John 17, and it blessed my heart. But it blessed me to see another couple of men sitting down and magnifying the Lord over a Bible. That blessed me. And I got to talk to them and found out where they're from. They're from a, a church over in Beaver Creek, and it just blessed me to have that moment of fellowship with them. We can magnify the Lord. We can glorify the Lord, and we should. Let's not be ashamed of Him. Let's lift Him up high. This is the time to, to exalt him in this day in front of anyone. Don't be ashamed of him wherever you go. The finishing the work, we need the Holy Spirit's guidance to help us to know exactly what that is. But I guarantee us, and I, I believe this strongly, if we, if we set our agenda up before the Lord each morning, he'll give, us, he'll give us the clue. And we can come to the end of the day, like Jesus, I've finished the work. I've finished the work you've given for me today let's move on. What else did he pray for? Not just for himself, but he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his disciples, the 12 disciples in specific. And yes, he did pray for Judas and and prayed for these these men who he had traveled with. And he says here in verse number six, I have manifested thy name unto, are you looking there? What does it say? Those next two words, the men, the men. Now, had he done so to others? Well, certainly he had. He had, he had manifested his name all throughout out, uh, Israel. But specifically here, he's praying for these men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them unto me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that, that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. My mind is going back right now to Matthew chapter number 16. Uh, guys, here in the shadow of, of Caesarea Philippi and the gate to the underworld, guys, who do men say that I am? Well, let's, let's go. Yeah, some say who? John the, John the Baptist. What were some of the other suggestions there? Elijah, one of the prophets. And then he goes, whom do you say that I am? And who pipes up? Peter. Peter Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What was that? Peter receiving what Jesus had given to him. Blessed art thou. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't shown this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He's made this reality come true in your life. What uh, What was happening there? They were receiving the word about Jesus Christ, who he was, and they were believing it. They knew assuredly that he had come from God. Thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of the living God. So what does he do in verse number nine? What are those first four words? I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Does Jesus care about the world? Yes. But I pray not for the world in this prayer, but for them that, uh, uh, which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. He's saying, I'm I'm basically, I'm going back to return to heaven. And these are still in the world, he, he says. And I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep them, keep thine own, keep through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me that they may be, what is it, one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition. Who's that? Judas. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, and now come I... To thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they, who is he referring to? His disciples, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Let's read 17 together. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, I set apart myself, that they Also, might be sanctified through the truth. So let's break this down for a moment. Jesus says, I've made known thy name to them, I've shown them who you are. Do you remember back in Exodus when Moses was getting that call at the burning bush and uh, he is throwing out all those excuses? And one of his excuses is, okay, when I go, they're not going to believe me. Who am I going to tell them sent me? I am. Isn't that an interesting name? I am what? I just am. I am. jesus especially through the book of john is recorded as proving his identity over and over and throughout the book of john we have those i am statements do you remember what happened when when jesus in front of the religious leaders said that i am do you remember what happens when they kind of had their noses been out of shape and he says before abraham was i am and he goes How how can you say that you aren't even yet 50 years old and and now you're saying that before Abraham uh, was, uh, you you know, I am? And they were totally missing it. What are you saying? I'm eternal. (laughs) I'm the reason Abraham was. And uh, they they wanted to cast him, cast him off a precipice. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to annihilate him just, just at that point because he had claimed to be God. So all the way throughout the book of John, we find that, that Jesus is saying, I am. I am. What was he doing? Manifesting the very, very name of God. The I am, Jehovah. I am God in the flesh. And I love how it, it breaks it down, and it's in your notes so you can look at them later, but I am the bread of life, John chapter 6. I am your sustenance. And think about this. You wonder who Jesus is to you, just take the I am statements. I am your sustenance. I am what you truly need. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I am the bread of life. Job says, more than my necessary food, I need your, um, your, your word. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He that Believeth not in me, he abides in darkness. Doesn't the Bible say? Do we not live in a world full of darkness? I saw someone post, and it, it's, it, it's, it's unnerving to see darkness on full display. I won't mention even the actor's name. I don't even want to give any sort of credit, but the, the demonic showings that some of these Hollywood actors are, are coming out and just just showing like it's normal. But it's, it's nothing short of demonic satanic and satanic worship. And yet these are, the, these are the ones that we said, oh, you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's just music, it's just this. No, behind the scenes there is, there is satanic worship going on. And this world is full of darkness darkness but we're not of the darkness you're children of the day why because we have met the light of the world i am the light of the world john chapter number eight i am the gate or the door the sheepfold there's others that try to hop over the fence but they don't they don't make it they're illegitimate you can't get in by your own works and your own self-effort you have to go through the door who is jesus christ I am the good shepherd. Isn't it good to know that you have a good shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I'm the resurrection and the life. Hmm. Some point along this next year, we'll take a look at all the encouragement that comes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, we're of all men most miserable. Our faith is in vain, Paul said. I am the resurrection and life. Because he lives, I live. The songwriter captured it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I can't get it out of my head a, a Muslim man who came to Christ and said, you know, we were taught to pray for the, the straight way. And then I came to realize that the way, the truth, and the life, all those things were in one person. I never thought of them being a person before, but I came to, to grips with the reality that it is a person, not, not a, you know, a physical way, but it's a person. And he believed on Jesus Christ and radically changed his life. A, a terrorist changed by the reality of that verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, I am the true vine. He's the power that you and I need. He is what gives us growth. And without his sap flowing through our veins, without the presence of the Holy Spirit and his spirit uh, flowing through our veins, we have no growth. We have no ability to do anything without him. For without me, ye can do nothing. So he's all this and so much more to us. But these statements, the I am statements of Scripture, I've given them, I've made known, I've manifested, I've declared your name. But I have also have given them thy word. In verse number 9, the word is what they needed. The word would produce joy. It's what they needed. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to keep them from evil. This is what I've done. I've given them the word. I've given them myself. Now I'm asking you through your word to keep them from evil. Did you notice how it says that in John chapter number 17 verse 17? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. But it was the word that would do that. It was the word that would set them apart. It was the word that would protect them. The greatest protection, the greatest armor that we can have is the word of God. The word of god teaches us how to live right the bible says in uh, ephesians chapter 6 that we are to have the breastplate of righteousness on which is that practical righteousness that is a protection to our lives we see this happening all over whether in churches or in in politics any sphere we find that people that live double lives they all of a sudden falls apart and then they're left exposed their lives are destroyed it's the Word and following the Word and obeying the Word that brings such a protection to the believer's life. He says, keep them, keep them by your Word. Keep them from evil. Um, the Word of God's going to guide us. What does Proverbs 4.15 says? Avoid it, pass not by it, and turn away. The Bible helps us to walk in a straight path. The Bible helps us to avoid evil and avoid temptation says keep them through thy truth and wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word so it's the word that would help them and jesus is praying for his disciples god i pray that you keep Peter. and god i pray that you would that you would keep john and keep them from evil by the words that i've given them help them to walk in joy Christ was not praying for extraction from the world. He wasn't praying for them to be isolated like monks on the top of a flagpole. He was praying that they would be insulated, they'd be kept free, they would be guarded, preserved from evil, the evil all around them. And that prayer is still true for us today. Um, God isn't calling us out. He didn't take us home as soon as he saved us. In the midst of the evil that's all around us, he expects us to live. Isn't that what the grace of God is given to us for? Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11 and 12, the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So he's asking the Lord to keep them and then to set them apart or sanctify them through thy truth. It's a, a parallel thought to holiness, Help them to be holy. How do we get holy? Through his word. Through his word. By looking into the perfect law of liberty, not being a forgetful hearer, and going and doing it. So he's asking, us, uh, asking them to be sanctified through, through the word. Father, would you do this? Ephesians 5 and verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of the water by the word. The greatest thing the church in America and Grace Baptist Church needs is not less, less word, it's more word. And we live in a day we are, we are pushing aside the word of God. We don't, I don't hear it here. Maybe there's, maybe there's uh, you know, a band that other people are on that I'm not on. Um, but I don't hear it here. But I, I hear pastors constantly talk about, you know, if I go this much over in a sermon, you know, I, I hear about it. I have people checking the clocks or whatever. You know, we need more time in the Word of God, not less time. We need more times of gathering together. And I think about some of these places in these different countries. Uh, A pastor comes and he preaches a a 15-minute little ditty. and, and, And they're like, no, you need to preach another time. Preach again. Preach again. Why? Because they're hungry for the Word of God. And we've gotten so used to the Word of God. And how we need the word of God, it's what washes us. It's what cleanses us. We need the word in our lives. So Jesus is praying for his disciples that they would would receive that word that he has given to them, that it would would cleanse them, that it would sanctify them, and certainly the word in our lives will do that. And then he prayed for his church. That's where it gets exciting because that comes to you and me. say, well, how so? Look at verse number 20. Neither pray I for these alone, his disciples alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Let me ask you a question tonight. Have you believed on the word, the gospel, through these guys? Maybe a long, long time ago, but ultimately it was through their witness and their proclamation of the gospel ultimately came all the way down to you and me today. And I'm thankful for that. He is now praying for the saints throughout the the rest of church history. Lord, I'm praying for them. The same way I just prayed for my my own, my 12 guys. I'm praying for them, for all those down the road that are going to believe on me through their word. Verse 21, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that Thou hast sent me, and the glory which Thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and Thou and me, and they may be made perfect in one, made mature in one. And that the world may know that Thou hast sent me, and Thou hast loved them as Thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Jesus wants you to be with him. He looks forward to the day that you and I are together in his presence. Has Jesus forgotten where I am and what I'm going through? No, he, he wants you. He, he knows exactly where you are, where I am. He wants to be together together. He wants that relationship with us. Why? That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me me before the foundation of the world. That glory, do you remember on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, there were two, James and John, that got to see the glory of of Jesus Christ. Do you know we're going to get to see that? As we are finishing up 2023, we came to the end of Revelation, and we read that there's going to be no night there. And who's going to be the light? Jesus is. I can't even wrap my brain around that. Here, 24 hours of full light is a problem. Like, there's places in the world that it's like that, and it messes with you. But there it won't. It will be in his light for all of eternity. Mm, I, don't, I, I don't understand that. That'll be something that we just have to uh, grab a hold of there. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known, known that thou hast sent me. And I declare unto them thy name, the I am, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. So I want us to catch this as he prays for the church. One of the things he prays in specific, it happens several times, he prays that they would be one, that they'd be one. Satan is a master divider. He brings division. He's brought it to society. But Jesus prays that we'd be one. And what I find very interesting here, um, look at verse number 23, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I find it very interesting that he says, I want them to be one so that the world knows that thou, um, thou sent me. When the world sees a church and believers that claim the name of Jesus Christ all divided and against each other and ratting on each other and gossiping and, and, and just full of tension, it does not reflect the Lord Jesus Christ to them. And so one of our prayers for our church ought to be, Lord, we want to be one. That doesn't mean we, we are together in error. It means we want to be one unity. And where does that unity come? I love what one author said and said it very, very well. He said, there's a vast difference between unity, oneness of heart and spirit, and uniformity, everybody exactly alike. You and I are like snowflakes, not that you are a snowflake, but you and I are like snowflakes in that we're all very, very different. Um, Physically, we're very different, but mentally, and, and the way we think and, you know, kind of our, just the way that we go about life, we're different. Uh, and God has made us that way. So it's not saying that they all look, they're not just all like, uh, coming out of a, a cookie cutter factory, you know, just kind of, you know, everyone looks the same, talks the same. No, that's not what he's getting at. But there's a oneness of heart and spirit. Paul desired that for the Philippian believers, and that would come by the merit of the Holy Spirit's activity in their life as they act by one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But the author goes on to say this, unity comes from life within, not from pressure without. One of the struggles sometimes as, as pastors is we, we, we see what the Lord would, would have us to do and, and, and we look in the word and we say, this is what believers ought to be and we try to start pressing and conforming and getting people to a, a, arrive at a certain standard rather than encouraging the life of Christ within them and letting Christ do the changing and bringing us together. Does that make sense? And you could even pray, pray for me as a pastor, but pray for us as a church in this regard, that, that, we, would, that we would be so connected with the Holy Spirit of God, with, the, with Jesus, that he's doing the changing and bringing this beautiful oneness together. Uh, not something mystical or weird. This is a this is oneness that he brings as we all are in tune with him. And only, there's no unity, true unity in a church apart from oneness with him. And so we want that, and he prayed for that, and I'm, I'm encouraged that he prayed for that for Grace Baptist Church all these many years later, and I believe he's still praying in that regard. Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 talks about how that we're brought together through the truth, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head of the, uh, of the the, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. It's all brought together. Now, let's bring this to a, to a wrap. So he's prayed in this way, and he's modeled this for us, and we can find a lot of encouragement in this, in this regard. But what's Jesus doing now? I want us to just remember the words of, of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. The Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. What are you going through? What are your deficiencies? What are your spiritual needs? What, are, what is that prayer that you've already prayed to the Lord this year? I want to grow in this area, but I just feel powerless. John 17 should remind us that that Jesus knows our frame and he's praying some very particular things. Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart through thy truth. Help them to become more Christ-like. And as they're together, Lord, you know how I've dealt with it with my disciples. They, They would, we'd have a powerful moment and they're all of a sudden bickering about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, you know down at Grace Baptist Church in 2023, they're going to struggle with oneness too. And I pray that they would be one. And he's still praying in that way. And he's still praying for you by name that you would be set apart through his truth and that you would be one with one another as we are one with him. He's still praying. What a great savior we have. And so may the Lord help us to be encouraged and I I hope that encourages you and challenges you like that, uh, like it did me. And so let's ask him to so, ask them to help us in particular tonight as you bow. I know I am praying about this matter of being able to say to the Lord, to my Heavenly Father, I've glorified your name and I've finished your work today. If you're like me, you might just be saying to the Heavenly Father, Lord, I need your help with that. And so, why don't you just take a quiet moment there? And as well, thank him for continuing to intercede for you on, on your behalf. Jesus, thank you for the fact that you're still alive and you sit at the right hand of the Father and you've told us that you're praying for us. Thank you for your prayers for me, my friends, for our church. Oh, I, pray that, I pray that we'd be an answer to your prayers. I pray that we'd have a oneness that is developed because we're, we individually are in tune with you. I pray that you'd be pleased with our sanctification and our obedience to you in that, in that way. Lord, help us not to lag behind. Help us to finish your work, to glorify you in our lives and to be assured of that as we come to the end of a day. So we again, submit ourselves to you and just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a Savior that cares so much about us and loves us so much that you'd pray for us. We love you for this. And we bless your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Pray towards Sunday and uh, encourage one another before you leave tonight. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.